Bible. Bibles over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Go to Matthew and turn back one, if that helps a little. Malachi chapter 3. Don't preach out of Malachi much. Some good stuff in here. It's a short book, packs a punch. But we're going to look at, um, probably for the next several Sundays, we're going to kind of uh, look at revival and try to prepare ourselves for revival. I'd like to spend this entire month as a month of prayer for revival. And there's so much behind revival. It's a, it's a, it's a refreshing is what we probably would call it. It's a refreshing, not revival. Most churches don't even call it revival anymore. It's just a meeting because the word revival doesn't have the same meaning as it used to. But we're going to look at revival, and we're going to look at what real revival is this morning. And I'm hoping that through uh, the book of Malachi here, chapter 3, that we can get, get some answers and get some guidance on this. Now, for a while, I've been pondering on the, this question. What is real revival? Just, I just want you to think about that question. What is real revival? Now, some of you folks... And I will say this, don't throw maters at me. Some of the older ones that are here can probably remember Real Revival and Tabitha. I'm sure she's been a part of a few of those too. Real Revival, I remember a few of those that absolutely just knock your socks off. Plan on coming on Sunday, in and on Wednesday. You might go another week, you might go two weeks. Preaching was great, singing's great, people were moved, people were saved, just the Spirit was in it, and that was real revival. My question now is, do we know what that even is? And I answered myself really fast, and I said, no, I don't think we do. I don't think we know what real revival is anymore. There's no extra efforts out there to reach the community. There's, there's no testimonies that come out of this after revival. You don't hear uh, uh, folks coming into the church. I was reading, I don't know, Keith, do you read the courtly? Do you actually read all the stuff in that or just go through the scripture? I want to read this real quick. I was reading it this morning that it actually, it struck home, if I can find it. And it, this says, when Calvary's pastor resigned, oh, let me back up here, I'm sorry. Conflict is everywhere. It happens on a global, national, and local scale. So years ago, Calvary Church held a week-long revival meeting, and God poured out his blessings. For miles around, people came. The evangelistic services were so effective that the church stretched the meeting to two weeks and then to three. When Calvary's pastor resigned later, the deacons asked the evangelist who preached the revival meeting to consider becoming their, their next pastor. Since everyone had responded positively when he was our guest speaker, they thought he would make a great pastor. The evangelist initially resisted, but the deacons persisted. The evangelist, y'all are good at that. The evangelist ev eventually agreed to be the next pastor. In the beginning, it looked like a good decision, and the church grew like wildfire under the leadership. People packed the small country church. Everybody was happy, right? Um, and here it says, not exactly. Some of the longtime church members did not like the growth and began to hold back their tithes. 
For a while, the conflict stayed underground, but it soon bubbled to the surface when one of the ringleaders of the resistance stood up in a business meeting and said, this church is full of people who don't belong here. They don't live here. They don't know us. They don't belong. Now it's time for them to go. Then she made the motion. There's a problem there. <laughs> then she made a motion to fire the pastor and for the clerk to purge everyone who lived outside the city the city limits from the church membership role. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Something great happened. One week, two weeks, three weeks worth of revival. Everything's great. Then the pastor eventually leaves, and they bring in the new one. But there's, there's issues. It was not God's will. It was not God's will. They, this is the way I see that whole story. They brought him in on a motion. They brought him in on an emotion. It was great for a little while. But that's what happens with revivals. Emotions are usually pretty high, not, not in, a, in a bad way, but emotions are usually good because we want to be revived. We want to feel the Holy Spirit. And so during the, the revival, everything is usually pretty good. And then, like I was reading right there, it, it went south really fast. After revival... It, it, it's like on that Wednesday night, if we went on a Wednesday, it, it's like we go home and we go back to normal. There's no efforts that go in behind ex- expressing how we feel to others, bringing others to church or going out and witnessing to others. We, we don't do anything. It just kind of stops. So I thought about that, and I asked myself, what is real revival? And do we know what real revival is? And I, I don't think we know what it is anymore. And I'm not saying this church. I'm, I'm just talking about, in general, the church doesn't, no, we just don't do it anymore. Uh, me and preacher Daniel Lawrence, it was here back in 2019. Me and him was down at New River Building Supply talking the other, other morning. And uh, he hasn't done a revival since he was here in the fall of 2019. We haven't done one since the fall of 2019 when he was here, to my knowledge. Do we miss it? Yeah. Do we need it? Absolutely. But do we know what it is? And I think we need to be refreshed and reminded what we don't need is just another series of services and label it revival. We don't, I think a lot of churches have done that now. Well, it's that time of year. Let's have a spring meeting. It's that time of year. Let's have a fall meeting. Let's set some dates and let's get a preacher in here and, and have some meetings and then we'll, we'll, we'll pacify and satisfy everybody. But here's what I was reading this week. And, and there, it's a term that I don't like this term. I've heard it before and I don't ever want it to be used here. It's called wildfire. What we don't need is wildfire. Some churches have people that, now I've been at the, I'll be honest with you, I've been at a couple of these. Some churches have people that get up and they hoot and holler and they bark like dogs and they roar like lions and they're jumping across the pews. I've told y'all a story about the preacher that stepped on my coat when I sat on the front pew one time. He's clucking like a rooster. I'm not kidding you. I never heard the boy preach. All he did was quote scripture and just walk back and forth and he flapped his arms and jumped up on the pew and he stood on the coat and I got mad and left. That's wildfire. That's dangerous stuff right there. That's, that's a lot of emotion going on right there. That's wildfire, not real fire. When real fire comes, people are going to be humbled and they're going to be obedient. That's when the fire comes down and we humble ourselves. And we mind the Lord. We're obedient to the Lord. We, mind, we listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us when it comes to the worshiping. We're not doing it for a show. We're not doing it on emotion to make a, a noise. 
that's real fire is what we want. We don't need you. I don't want to hear y'all out here barking like dogs in a few weeks. I don't want to hear you out here roaring or clucking or strutting or anything like that. We just need real fire, not wildfire. There's a song, and uh, I, I can't. I think the primitives may have sang it one time, but I had to. I had to search it out, and there's different versions of it. But my favorite one is this one. It's talking about the need for revival, and and the chorus, the live version. He keeps going, and that's what I wrote down here. And he says that in the song that we need an old-fashioned Holy Ghost, sinner racing, devil chasing, sinner praying, saint praising, fire kindling, power packing, life changing, soul saving, heaven sent revival. That's not just what we need. That's exactly what this world needs right now. I believe that's what we need as a country right now. I believe we need the Lord to rain down on us. I believe we need the Holy Spirit to pour out into us and into our churches what we need. We need that revival. Now, we don't need wildfire, but I believe the churches need a spark. I believe we need to have something to ignite us to get this thing going. Not just here. Not just with Brother Jason. I'm talking about Avery County into North Carolina and into the rest of the U.S. and on into the world. We need to be praying for the Lord to pour out His love and His Holy Spirit into His church and to see what we can do for Him and see what happens. God desires more from us than, than just setting aside a few days out of a year and calling it a revival. He wants it to keep going. Now, I'll tell you right now, the hardest time, the two hardest times for me to preach is after Bible school and after revival. That's a hard, especially after revival. Bible school is because I'm wore out. But revival is like the preacher sets the bar so high, and I, I don't know if I, can, if I can even get there. But he's asking us. The Lord has asked us to keep it going. Don't just end it when the revival meeting stops. Keep it going. Keep preaching, keep singing, keep encouraging, keep loving, keep bringing them into the church, keep being who you are. We can't expect the preacher to, to bring revival with him in a, in a suitcase. What we expect is for the church to bring revival with them. And that would be for you as the congregation, me as the preacher, to be prepared and ready, to be repentant, to be prayed up, to... Before you ever step foot in this door, I don't care if you sit in church parking lot for 15 minutes and pray, but clear out your heart and ask the Lord to use this church and the preacher. But ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins so that when you come in here, you're cleared out and ready for a blessing. You come in here and you can start sopping it up out of the, what is that? The, your cup overflows and you sop it up out of the, the plate, whatever. I can't remember how that goes, but you know what I mean. If you've got your Bibles... Stand with me just a moment. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I like being mobile. I like this being able to walk again. This is pretty nice. Verse 3, chapter 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have, <clears throat> have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts, but ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings? We are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may 
be meet in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be uh, delight, delightsome land, uh, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, It is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept the ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy, and yea, they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Verse 16 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning, as uh, you've allowed us to come back to your house, Lord, again, so pray this morning we thank you for your protective hand over this this church and this county and this state. Uh, Lord, we pray for those victims of the hurricane. And God, I pray that the assistance would be there. Lord, I pray that the neighbors would help the neighbors. But Lord, I pray that the churches would step up and help those that are in need right now. And I pray, God, that your name would be glorified. You would be honored through all that's been taking place down there. And I pray, God... Uh, for a speedy recovery for them. And I pray today, God, as we prepare our hearts, as we prepare ourselves uh, for the revival meeting coming up here in a few weeks, Lord, I pray that we would take this serious. Lord, I pray that we would uh, remember the times that we used to have as churches and times of revival, Lord, where we had our hearts refreshed, our minds refreshed, and where we became closer to you. God, I pray that you would allow us to do that again. And Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way with this church. Continue to be with Brother Jason as he prepares. Be with this church as we prepare ourselves as well. And God, I pray today that you would just uh, allow us to be that spark that would ignite here in Avery County and start something great among your people. I listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. Real revival has to be led by prayer. That's been the, the key to this thing with me here in just the past few weeks, just being ready for this and, and being prayed up and ready for revival. And so the key to real revival means prayer. We have to pray up. Verse 1, I didn't read that a while ago, but I want you to go back to verse 1 in chapter 3. It says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, one of the scriptures that we read a lot, and I think we take it out of context a lot of times, and I don't know that we even really look at the backstory behind this, but Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear or heal their land. We, we, we read that a lot during revival. We read that a lot right before revival, and it just tells us that if we would prepare ourselves, that's what I want you to get out of that verse this morning is just prepare yourself. There's, uh, there's all kinds of things that we do 
Mike, whenever he goes into work, he has to be prepared to go to work. Number one, you got to pack your lunch, don't you? That's being prepared. Kristen, when she goes in to teach her class, she has to be prepared to teach that class. She has to have a guide. Every one of us has to be prepared when we go into something. We have to. How do you prepare for revival? Pray. That's how you prepare for a great revival. Pray. Be prepared. Pray up. Pray for whatever it is. Number one, I'm hoping you're praying for the lost because that's where we see a lot of people saved is in revival. If you know who the lost is, bring them with you. But pray. That's how we prepare for real revival. God's desire is that his people, the church, seek him. How do we seek him? Pray. Seek him out. Pray. Read, study, pray. Be ready for what he's going to pour out on us. If we have any hope of experiencing real revival, it must be preceded in prayer. And I'm not saying we're going to pray every Sunday. We are going to pray every Sunday. But I need you to pray too during the week. He needs you. Jason needs you to pray for him throughout the month. The Lord wants us to pray for this revival so that something great will happen, something great will take place, not in Chestnutdale, but in Avery County, in his church. That's what he wants. He wants to see something amazing take place from a real revival. When you pray, you're doing more than just relieving yourself of something. You're not just turning a burden over to God. You're asking God to have a part of the service. That's the thing about revival. We've got to make sure that it's focused on God. We've got to make sure that it's not topical. It might be. I don't know what he's doing. I don't have no clue what he's preaching on. But I know that if he has a topic that he's going to preach on four or five nights, it will be centered on God, not something worldly. But we need to make sure that God is involved in this entire thing. God is showing you things about yourself through that prayer. As you're praying for this revival, he's revealing to you things that you need to fix in your life. He's, he's revealing to you the sins that you need to be forgiven for. He's revealing to you your weaknesses so that you can become stronger in that area and you can have revival. A sin-filled heart will hinder your worship. Remember that. You come in here with sin in your heart, you ain't worshiping. You come in here with worldly things on your mind, you ain't worshiping. If, you can, if there's... Whatever, I don't know what takes place on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday nights on TV. I don't know if there's ball games or what, but probably will be a Monday night football game. Baseball's about over with. Don't come in here and sit and look at your phone and see what the score is. I know y'all wouldn't do that. Don't come in here and wondering about what have I got to do tomorrow. What's on my agenda for tomorrow? Can I, boy, I should be home right now getting ready for work. Leave all that stuff outside the church. When you come in here, be prepared. Have your heart prepared for a blessing and receive that message. God's showing you things about yourself. You're finding the will of God. You're hearing from the creator of the universe who takes time for you. He's taking time for you. He loves you. And he wants to see you grow and prosper. So be prepared. Prepare your heart. Prayer is the first vital part of the of real revival. And that's that scripture again. It says, The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Seek the Lord. As you're praying, 
seek the Lord. And that scripture says right there, plain as day, shall suddenly come to his temple. This is his house. This is his temple. This is his place. This is his. So if you want him to show up, pray, seek him out, and see what happens. Real revival requires repentance. Now verse 7 says, Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? So we've got to repent. We've got to be repentant. We've got to have a repentant heart if we want to have that revival, that real revival. So ask for forgiveness. Now, here's the hard part about that. It ain't just between you and God. It could be between you and somebody at the church. It could be between you and somebody in your family, your friends. But if you have that a bitterness in your heart, if you have something on your heart that's not allowing you to worship, he's telling you you need to repent and get things squared away in your life so that you can worship. We can't expect to have an authentic, true revival without that repentance. I remember the old days. I remember very well, very well, especially when we was at Willowdale. There's a, a basement at Willowdale, and that's where all the classrooms were. And I remember vividly sitting on the back pew and listening to them men pray. I remember hearing them down there in the basement in one of those rooms that was nowhere even close to where I was sitting, and they would make the walls shake. They would pray, and they'd come up, and those men, faces were red, necks were red, where they'd been down there crying and weeping because they were seeking God's face. They wanted his help in this service, and they were repenting. They wasn't just praying for a great revival. They were praying for repentance for themselves because they were the men of the church. They were the leaders of the church, and they wanted to set that example for each one of us. I will never forget that. They set a great example for me. I will never forget that. We need that kind of repentance. The fact that we need revival says that we have moved further and further away from God. You can say amen to that because it's the truth. It ain't just us. The fact that we need revival right now means that we are moving away from God. And we have. But, and I hate to, I hadn't mentioned it in a while, but you know, that uh, little pandemic kind of threw a wrench in everything. That's the reason. We had to be cautious. We have to be careful. Had to be careful. And so it hindered us. And what that did is, yeah, it did bring the church closer together. I do believe that. But I do believe it may have separated us from God a little bit too because we could not have the events that, that we have done in the past to help bring us closer to Him. If we don't need revival, then we have uh, more people in the building than we can hold we don't need revival that means that we've been out beating the bushes and and shaking the doorknobs and and people are just packing this place out but you look around and it's not happening we're not packed out got a lot of empty seats here that's what he's calling for and a real revival is to repent ask for forgiveness and start bringing folks in with you so that they can do the same thing people feel like they got to come to church just to repent. They don't have to. You can repent anywhere you want to. But some people feel like this is the place to do it. Bring them with you. Let them repent. Let them, let them get prayed up and get that forgiveness. 
We've moved further from the will of God in our lives. So, again, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Turn from their wicked ways. What is wicked ways? All right. So going back to a little bit of our Sunday school lesson, we were talking about the adulterers and adulteresses. That didn't, wasn't necessarily talking about affairs. It was talking about some other things. So when we think about wickedness, you might be saying, well, I'm not shacked up with anybody, or I don't drink, or I don't cuss, or and I don't gamble. That might be what you're thinking, but it's a lot deeper than that. These wicked ways that he's talking about right here includes those things, but it also is anything that is outside the will of God in your life. Anything that's, that doesn't line up with God's will, that's wickedness. That's separating you from God. That's getting you to a place where not total separation, but there is a gap in between you and God, and you need to clear that gap out. And he's saying, get away from your wicked ways. Stay away from the, the earthly, the worldly things. Stay away from the things of the devil, those wicked things, and see what happens. I promise you. I promise you. You pray, and you seek repentance, you will have revival in your heart. That's where the revival takes place. Revival is not about the church building. Revival is about your little heart about what takes place right here inside of you. That's where the revival takes place, in you. Remember that. If, we, if we're going to have real revival, then we need to turn from whatever is contrary to the will of God in your life, in our life. Turn away from it. And it ain't just the revival side of it. You'll see a, something a whole lot better going on in your life as well. Not just through revival, just through your Christian life in general. Real revival requires obedience. And something else we've got to have is obedience. Verse 7 said, Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinance, ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I love that. We read that when we need money. Ain't that usually when we read that, that scripture? <laughs> Open up. All right, church is going in the, in the red. Let's read that scripture so the tithes go up. There's a, it's a lot more than that. That's so deep right there. A revival is a new beginning to obedience to God. You can't have revival without obedience. You can't have church without obedience. We need to be obedient to the Father. Our children are to be obedient to us. And we are to be obedient to the Father. So we've got to think about that. We can, we can hear with obedience, you hear the Word of God. If you're an obedient child, you're hearing your parent. You're listening to your parent. As Christians, if we are obedient to the Father, we're hearing the Word of God. We're hearing the, the message. We're hearing the Scripture. We can hear from the Holy Spirit on the changes that need to take place in our lives. That still small voice that's inside of us, if we're obedient to God, if we're minding the Lord, we're going to be able to hear Him speak to us. If we're not obedient, what happens when you're not obedient to your parents? You get in trouble, don't you? Yeah, you get in trouble. So I didn't call her out or anything. She knew. 
I got tickled at her. I have to tell you this. Last night, Maria was telling her to go to bed. She would not listen to Maria for nothing. Maria said, tell her. Ooh. said, tell her to go to bed. I never said a word. I just looked at her. She said, good night. <laughs> and she'd gone to bed. She was obedient to me, not her mama. That'll get you in trouble. Be obedient to the Father. Listen to him. We can hear him. But unless we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, to what the Holy Spirit tells us, we're, we're not going to accomplish anything. If we don't start listening, we're not going to accomplish anything. We're not going to accomplish uh, being able to go out and speak to people, to, to give a testimony, to witness to people, to pray with people. If we don't be obedient to God, then he's not going to be able to use us like he's planning on. We're not going to accomplish anything. First Samuel fifteen twenty two says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I've heard Joe Mullen sings a song, and part of it says that the folks would rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. Boy, he's, he's right. Folks had rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. We can all be that sermon, every one of us. When Keith hits his finger that you talk about, I'd hate to see your fingernails. Are you that bad? Do you? <laughs> Not anymore. You, you, I <laughs> hey, I shot my thumb with a, with a pass load one time. Um, what, <laughs> what people want to see from a Christian is that good behavior. They want to see a Christ-like attitude. They want to see Jesus on us. And we don't have to preach. We can just be ourselves. If we are Christians and we love Jesus and we want folks to come to know Jesus, just be yourself and let folks see that sermon. Just let them see it on you. We can accomplish a lot more that way. Real revival impacts the lost. So that's one of the things that I want to encourage y'all to do this in the next few weeks. We know the date. We know the times. The folks need to know as well. Encourage people to come with you, especially folks that are lost. Encourage them. Pray for them. Pray for, and even if they don't make it, we're still going to pray for them. We need to see them in churches. We need to make sure they're hearing the gospel. We need to make sure that they have a relationship with Jesus because our time is ticking away right now. Verse 12 tells us, uh, And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. When the church truly receives a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we will want what God wants. When we feel the Holy Spirit rain down on us, we're going to want exactly what God wants with his people. What does he want? What, did God, what in the world do you think God would want? Well, he sums it up over here in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what he wants. He wants to see as many, he wants to see all come to know his Son, Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. That's what we should want. As a Christian, that should be our heart's desire, is to see the lost saved. That should be our heart's desire. Because as a Christian, we don't want to see anyone go to hell. We don't want, we know we don't know as much about hell as we think we know, but we know it ain't a place that we want to be. 
Even the swine wanted to go into the sea. They didn't want nothing to do with it. We just need to reach out to them. Reach out to the lost. That's what he wants. God cares about the lost. Here's, I was writing this down last night. He cares about the poor, the down and out, the drunkard, the adulterer, drug addict, homeless, the widows, the lost. He cares. He cares about every. There's not a person or a, there's not a person in this world that he doesn't care about. There's not a sinner in this world he doesn't care about. He loves us all. And so he wants what's best for us, and he wants to use us as a vessel so that we can help him reach those that are lost, to seek and to save that which is lost. When we have a real revival, we'll care about what God cares about. Last thing, the, the result the result of real revival. Look at verse 10 one more time there at the end. There shall not be room enough to receive it. Let me back up here. And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What a great picture of a real revival. When we are truly revived, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out his spirit on us. We've, there probably ain't one of us here today that hasn't got to experience the, just the windows of heaven opening up and just it raining down, just the blessings of heaven just pouring out. You walk out of the church, you float across the parking lot, you call on your neighbor and you're saying, what a great time we had. Uh, the, the ones I like is the ones where church lets out around 8, 30, 9 o'clock and you don't leave till about 10 or 11 because you stand in the parking lot and you're talking and you're worshiping and you're just having time of fellowship with those that are here. That's when the doors or the, the windows have opened up from heaven and he has poured it out. Sneaky little booger. <laughs> That's the result of real revival. That's God showing up. That's the result. That's the result we always look for. God showing up. And you know it when he shows up. Things are done that only he can do. It ain't anything that we've done. It's what he's done. That's how you know he showed up. Relationships are restored. Man, I love to see two people that have been at each other's throats for years come to the altar and just get things fixed. I love that. People are saved that only he can save. Through our prayers and for us praying for those that are lost, we'll see them saved. And dying churches become re re revived. There's been times where churches were just so close to shutting the doors, two or three people there, they ain't got a pastor bring a preacher in, do a little revival, and pray to God that God will revive that church, and he'll do it. He will revive that church. The result of real revival, we are blessed by God with more of him and less of us. That's the end result of revival. God shows up, and we are blessed. What I want to do this today and for the rest of this, uh, this month while we get ready for revival is... I want us to pray as a church. I really, I want us to earnestly pray for this revival. We need, we need it. We, we need the prayer, but we need the, the revival. We need that refreshing of our hearts. And so for the next several Sundays, that's what I'm going to ask y'all to help me do, is just pray. And I'd ask you, if you would, just to, to come up here to the altar with me as we pray. And that's how I want us to dismiss for a while is 
in prayer. So if you can, if you're able to, come on up here. If not, let me move my wallet. most kind and gracious heavenly father god this morning as uh, we come together as a church as a body god i pray this morning that you would hear our petitions hear our cries god we need you today god this church these members this preacher lord we need to be refreshed we need our hearts refreshed we need to be rejuvenated god we need to be revived god we need you and I pray, God, that today as, as we have gathered here that we would each be uh, seeking repentance from you, asking for forgiveness where we have failed you, Lord, where we have drifted uh, too far away from the center of your will. God, I pray that you would draw us back into the center. And God, I pray that through the next several weeks that you would use us to, to get out in this community and invite those that are lost to church. Lord, we can pray for those that are lost. That's what this revival is for, is to refresh us, but Lord, it's also to make sure that those that are lost have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for Brother Jason. God, as he prepares his heart and as he studies to get ready for this thing, I pray, God, that you would give him the words that need to be spoken. It may be three or four days focused on one person. I don't know what you have in store for us, but God, I pray that it would be exactly what we need to hear, what we need to experience, what we need to feel as a church, and again, as a member of your church. And God, I pray again for this, uh, this group that's here today. Father, I pray that you would continue uh, to use us, and Lord, to uh, just to, God, to, to just undergird us and get us on our way, Lord, outside the church walls to get a hold of a lost society that we live in and bring them here to the church. And God, I pray today that your light would be shining down on each one of us. Lord, I pray that the doors of heaven and the windows of heaven would just open up and the blessings from that storehouse, Lord, would just overflow on the top of this church and on top of her members. And God, I pray that, again, through all that's said and done through this time this month as we pray and as we prepare, God, I pray that you would be glorified. And God, I pray that we would, uh, Lord, just, we just call upon your name right now to have your will and way in this church, and in this revival. We thank you so much again this morning for this time that you've given us here at the altar. And I pray, God, that it not fall on deaf ears. And, Lord, anything that's said and done up here today, Lord, would not be done in vain. We love you. Father, we praise you this morning. I'll listen to your son's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.